1: Wednesday, July 7 edition, hiatus style, PFT Live and PFT PM, all the happenings in the NFL, even as we are in what is the slowest point in the NFL news cycle, but it's never completely dead. There's always something to discuss. And thanks to Aaron Rodgers, we have something to discuss because yesterday, if you watched it or like me, if you didn't, and, you know, I, I kind of wanted to watch it. I kind of spent several weeks preceding the match under the assumption that when 5 p.m. Eastern rolled around on Tuesday, July 6th, I still don't know why they picked a Tuesday late afternoon. I I don't get it. But when the time came, I didn't want to watch it. Didn't care. I figured I would pick up anything relevant or salient via Twitter. And thanks to multiple Twitter accounts, I saw the clip of Aaron Rodgers about four hours into the match being asked by the commentators about his future with the Green Bay Packers. And he essentially said, we'll see. First, he was asked about whether or not he's going to be at camp. We'll see. He was asked about September 12. He was like, well, what's September 12? Oh, that's your opening game against the New Orleans Saints. And again, we'll see. And he tried to laugh it off, but for Packers fans – it really is getting to the point where it's no longer a laughing matter, if it ever was. And, and, and I know this is a strange time if you're a Green Bay Packers fan because deep down you are upset by what's happening. You don't know quite who to be the most upset with. You're upset with the organization for making this stupid trade up to get Jordan Love when you still have a perfectly good Aaron Rodgers, one of the great quarterbacks of all time. You're upset with Aaron Rodgers for playing this game and putting your emotions in the middle of it. Are the Packers going to have Aaron Rodgers? Are they not going to have him? Will he show? Will he not show? And and the fans are the ones who who just have to kind of sit and wait and take it. But at the same time, Packers fans get pissed off, sorry London, when someone like me points out that it's a time when they're understandably confused, frustrated, unhappy about what's going on. Well, why wouldn't you be? It's a normal human reaction, and and I, I don't know where it's going to go. I still think he's going to show up, but here we are, now less than three weeks away from the start of training camp, and the most recent information from Aaron Rodgers about whether or not he's going to show up is – We'll see. We'll see. I guess we will, but Packers fans want to know. They don't want to see. They want to know what's going on. How hard is it for Aaron Rodgers to make it known what he's going to do? And, hey, is he still trying to get a trade? I guess. I don't know. Is he just messing with Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst? I guess. I don't know. But the reality is these fans he professes to love the coaches he professes to love, the teammates he professes to love are caught in the crossfire here. And for the fans especially, I mean, the teammates may know, at least some of them, the coaching staff may know, the fans are completely in the dark. And, and I feel bad for Packers fans. They get mad at me for pointing all this stuff out. I feel bad for you. I'm trying to get this thing resolved so we all know what the hell is going to go on in late July when it's time for Aaron Rodgers to show up or not show up. When the Browns show up for training camp, it will be a vibe that we haven't seen in Cleveland in a very long time, if ever, at least not since the merger. Yes, there were years when the Browns got within shouting distance of the Super Bowl or whispering distance, as the case may be, if you look at 1986 and 1987. Two years ago, the expectations were high. They were too high. And that's why I think it was intriguing that Baker Mayfield said on Tuesday that, Managing expectations is going to be one of the most important things the Browns do this year. Yes, it is. Because two years ago, they completely failed to manage expectations. I I think the business people with the Browns in 2019 were like, hey, everybody's taking it seriously. Let's go make as much money as we can. Let's feed this monster. Let's make this a big deal. And then they ended up falling flat. And and even though they had a much better year in comparison to the Recent experiences of the Browns, it still felt like a disappointment. And a lot of that was on the head coach, Freddie Kitchens, for not managing expectations. Now you've got Baker Mayfield saying it. And I assume Kevin Stefanski, the 2020 NFL Coach of the Year, will be doing it. They need to manage expectations because this thing will get out of control. The AFC is chock full of great teams. It is going to be very difficult to navigate the likes of the Bills the Patriots who will be much better the Ravens the Steelers the Titans the Colts the Chiefs the Chargers what if Aaron Rodgers ends up in Denver then there's another team that is going to be there as an impediment for what the Browns are trying to do could they get to the Super Bowl yes a lot of Browns fans are thinking they will put them in the NFC and I'd say hell yeah they got a chance to get there in the AFC that hill is a lot steeper and I think Baker Mayfield has it right when he talks about managing expectations. Meanwhile, videos emerged of Odell Beckham Jr. professing that it's going to be a special year. That's the kind of thing that cuts against the effort to manage expectations. Regardless, the expectation should be tempered by the fact that the Browns are stuck in a great conference and a special division, one of the best in football. What if the Bengals have a trick or two up their sleeve? Joe Burrow, healthy as of week one. You got multiple, you got all four teams that could be potentially in the playoff conversation. And even though theoretically all four could make it, chances are that's not going to happen. So Browns first have to get to the playoffs and then they have to worry about these great teams that they will come up against in January. But uh, good problem to have. Better than looking at your schedule saying, I don't know where the victory is, like the Browns were in a couple of years ago. But the Super Bowl win still may be off in the distance somewhere. This year could be very hard to pull it off. The folks at the United States Navy did the right thing on Tuesday by allowing Cameron McKinley. I hope I have his name right. I don't know. All I've been thinking is the kid who went to Navy. The kid who went to Navy. We'll get his name right at some point. Anyway, the kid who went to Navy, who wasn't allowed to go play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. See, I just assumed Navy wouldn't change their mind. I'd forgotten all about what his name was. But he will now be playing the Buccaneers. I think it's Cameron Kinley. There it is. Cameron Kinley. Thank you. Control room saves me with the topic bar. And fortunately, my eyes still good enough to see the topic bar. Cameron Kinley allowed to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hey, as the saying goes, wisdom often never arrives at all. We shouldn't reject it simply because it showed up late. I still don't like this clunky, clumsy process where pressure had to be placed on the Navy to do the right thing and allow Cameron Kinley to, see, now that I remember it, I'm going to say it uh, as many times as I can. Cameron Kinley, Cameron Kinley, Cameron Kinley. But he should have been allowed in the first place. He shouldn't have had to go through this multiple week period of thinking he wasn't going to be allowed to play football before he fulfills his commitment to the service academy that he attended. And I, I don't know why this is so complicated. I don't know why it changes. I don't know why it's a moving target. I think that for anyone who signs the paperwork that gives them a free education up front with a commitment to serve on the back end, the language in there needs to be clear for each incoming class. In the event that this individual displays skills that would attract professional sports associations to offer employment, the individual either yes or no, can defer his or her commitment in order to exhaust those opportunities. Wh- whatever it is, you need to know. Isn't that fair? That's just basic fundamental stuff. When you say, okay, I'll go to the Naval Academy, I'll sign the, the, the paperwork, you know then, if it all works out from a football standpoint, you're going to to go play in the NFL or the NBA or wherever. Whatever sport you become, someone who is desired, by the next level, to participate, you can defer your commitment and you can go do it. I I, I don't like the moving target. I don't like the fact that we have to have political pressure to get people to do the right thing. And there's no reason for the service academies to not do it because, as they finally realized, Cameron Kinley, said it again, becomes a walking, talking, breathing billboard for going to the Naval Academy. Because, now it's it's and I don't know maybe maybe they played this game to make it a bigger story, but they look bad in the process. They got to the right place, but but they were in the wrong place for a while. I look, it's it's free publicity, but I don't know if that's a publicity you want because they come off as doofuses and they come off as ultimately giving in to the pressure to do the right thing. But it is a great advertising and recruiting mechanism. They should want their athletes who become potential professional prospects to go and represent the organization well and get more kids out there who have high levels of football, basketball, baseball, soccer, whatever talent to say, I'll go to the service academy. They'll let me pursue my professional dreams. And then I'll come back and serve whenever I'm done. Why not do that? for everyone and why not have a consistent cohesive policy that applies not just to Cameron Kinley but to every athlete male or female that ends up attending any of the service academies 2019 last pick in round one after the New England Patriots won Super Bowl 53 went to receiver Nikhil Harry at the time there was a belief that the Patriots had him rated even higher than number 32 and now it's falling apart and and the evidence has been there. From the moment the Patriots launched free agency by signing a couple of tight ends, signing a couple of receivers, Nikhil Harry looking like he's on shaky ground. There's been persistent reports and rumors that the Patriots may cut him, that he may just not even be there. And now his agent, instead of being fired, wants his guy to be able to quit via a trade. I don't know that anyone's going to trade for him. With, with the last two years, of a first-round rookie contract, and yes, it's number 32, so it's it's lower money than it would be if it was number two, but that's a seven-figure commitment each of the next two years that a team would take on if they trade for his contract. I don't know that anyone's going to want to do it. I think at the end of the day, the Patriots may just have to cut him. Regardless, the broader point, Maybe the Patriots should just give up drafting receivers in the first three rounds. I look back over the past 20 years. Yeah, Deion Branch in 2002, a third-round pick, ended up being a Super Bowl MVP. The rest of them, maybe he was a second-round pick. Either way, round two or round three. I, 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 round three is what's sticking out in my brain. Plenty of second-round picks, third-round picks, and Nikhil Harry. The first first-round pick that the Patriots used on a receiver since Terry Glenn before Bill Belichick was the head coach. Harry just hasn't worked out. And the guys on the board, when they picked Harry, included Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel. No guarantee any of those guys would have worked out. Because here's the reality. It's easy to say the Patriots are picking the wrong guys. But it's not like they are reaching for guys that no one has ever heard of. No one's saying, for example, when the Patriots take Nikhil Harry, well, he's a fifth-round prospect on you know, 28 other boards. They were just like, yeah, okay, Nikhil Harry, it was time for him to be drafted. So if it wasn't the Patriots, someone else would have taken him. The question is, how are the Patriots developing? It's something Sims and I have talked about in the past. How much of it is the coaching staff not properly teaching, the coaching staff not trusting, the coaching staff not being patient, that it's sink or swim, and at the first sign of sink, they go with someone that they know can swim because that guy's been in the NFL for multiple years. He's been around the block. He knows the ropes. I, I think that's one of the potential problems. And when it comes to drafting, this is a point Sims has made. The Patriots will often prioritize intangibles like leadership and love of the game over raw ability. Well, sometimes you end up in a mess like this because you, you looked too heavily at what kind of a guy you were getting. And you didn't look enough at what kind of a player you were getting. Regardless, it's not working for the Patriots at the receiver position. And either they fix it or they just sign veterans. And the way the receiver position is going, with so many great receivers coming out every year, there will be a glut of free agents every year. And that may be the better way for the Patriots to handle it. If they're not willing or able to develop a young receiver, let someone else develop the young receiver. And then you pay him, especially because the receiver position is becoming a lot like the running back position where there are more great ones than uh, the teams out there need. Let's answer a question or two before we wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live, PFT PM hiatus style. Sonny Sonani. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is bothered by all the smack talk from Tom Brady considering his NFC buddy Brady is dunking on him on and off the field even though Rodgers won the golf match yesterday? Or is this all a carefully crafted facade to relay Rodgers' messages? I kind of like the idea. I mean, this is super genius stuff where Aaron Rodgers has asked Tom Brady to poke fun at Rodgers to help Rodgers make his point to the Packers. That's really next level. That's evil genius stuff. I don't think Brady – why does Brady want to help? What's in it for Brady to help Aaron Rodgers get whatever it is he wants unless Brady thinks, hey, if I can get this guy out of the conference, why not? Get him to Denver. I don't have to deal with him. I worry about him in the Super Bowl. And if it's either him or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen, i got to deal with a great quarterback there anyway if we get back to the Super Bowl. My path to the Super Bowl is easier if I can get Aaron Rodgers out of the – conference I think that's giving everyone too much credit I think Brady's just having fun and Aaron Rodgers is going along with it but based on what we've learned about Rodgers over the past decade I suspect at some level he's not real thrilled with being made fun of about anything and uh yeah he probably doesn't appreciate all the barbs from Tom Brady. But what's he going to say to Tom Brady? Stop it? No, because if you do, you're only making the situation worse. The best thing you can do when someone is giving you a hard time about something that is rubbing you raw, don't act like it is. Don't let them know that it is or they will not stop. Mark Pankhurst, do you think that with Lamar Jackson not having an agent that opens it up for him and Ravens GM Eric DaCosta to go for the option of a percentage of the salary cap? with or without incentives tied to it. I've been a big proponent of quarterbacks agreeing to a percentage of the salary cap in order to ensure that they are always paid at an appropriate level because the cap keeps going up except for this year, but this year was an aberration. The cap will continue to go up and up and up and up through this decade. The percentage of a guy like Patrick Mahomes of the cap is going to drop. Why not just say franchise quarterback is always guaranteed to get 18% of the total cap, whatever the cap may be. I don't think that's going to happen with Lamar Jackson, number one, because it's never happened with anyone else. Number two, I don't think the league wants teams to do it. And the management council has a way of getting its point across when the time comes to let – teams know what is and isn't frowned upon even though it's perfectly permissible to give quarterbacks a percentage of the cap I just don't see the planets lining up that way with any of these guys if Dak Prescott didn't get it from the Cowboys and he got a great deal if he didn't get it from the Cowboys when he had maximum leverage right now Jackson Baker Mayfield Josh Allen they do not have maximum leverage the only guy that's going to have a chance to get a percentage of the cap is a guy who either hits the open market or who has his current team over a barrel such that the team will do whatever the guy wants to keep the guy from saying, no, I'm not going to accept your offer. So I think someday someone will do it, but we're not quite there yet. And we're definitely not there with Lamar Jackson. Tony Wheat. Do you think at some point some of the Beth Wilkinson findings in the Washington football team investigation will actually leak? If so, what next? Well, Point I made the other day, and hey, I got to give the NFL credit. Brilliant. Evil genius stuff, like we were talking about earlier. The way that they dropped that, the way that they handled it, I thought it would resonate into the week after 4th of July. It really has not. Now, it may be a delayed reaction. I don't know. But the point I made in something that we posted on Sunday or Monday, Beth Wilkinson's files still exist unless someone has told her to expunge them. The findings that she made, the interviews that she conducted, communication she had among her colleagues, everything that led to the oral report that was given to the NFL. There's something tangible out there somewhere. Lawyers create and save data. That's what they do. And anytime someone starts deleting that data, you have to start wondering what's going on. So I think that there's plenty of evidence out there. Now, would someone from Beth Wilkinson's firm, who's frustrated by the way this is handled, put some information together and leak it that that i i don't know there was some stuff that was leaked to 1067 the fan a couple of months ago at a time when the belief was wilkinson's team was frustrated by the fact that the nfl appeared poised to not really do all that much about it that was the theory at the time i don't know whether or not that's accurate but leaks could happen the other way that the information come out civil litigation And Lisa Banks and Deborah Katz represent more than 40 former employees. If they file suit, if they're within the relevant statute of limitations, if their deadline hasn't run, they can file suit. And if they don't settle, if the thing ends up in court at some point, that evidence could come out. Beth Wilkinson could testify. She could be required to produce all documents from her files to show what's in there. And a lot of that stuff could make its way into the public eye. I've pointed out that if there's a congressional subcommittee that gets curious about this, they could have a hearing. They could subpoena documents. They could subpoena witnesses. Some of the evidence could come out that way. And then ultimately, a prosecutor that has jurisdiction over the Washington football team's offices, they could look at Roger Goodell's findings and say, this is troubling. There may be some criminal violations that have occurred here. Let's convene a grand jury. Let's have Beth Wilkinson testify. Let's find out how deep that rabbit hole goes. The fact that they've refused to even give us a glimpse of it suggests that there's stuff in there that, as Tanya Snyder was quoted as saying last week, would be mortifying. See, I think that's ultimately the game here. You keep the specific information from coming to light, and you avoid the public pressure, the same kind of pressure that was placed on the Navy to do the right thing with Cameron Kinley, the pressure that would be placed on the NFL to force Daniel Snyder to sell. If we never have the ability to sink our teeth into the evidence that resulted in the findings that were summarized in very general fashion by the commissioner. We never have anything we can point to to say, God, I can't believe this happened. This is unacceptable. Daniel Snyder must sell. Or look at this. I can't believe that happened. This is unacceptable. Daniel Snyder must sell. It comes to life. It's the equivalent of the Ray Rice elevator video. The point I made last week, by not even having a report created, the NFL in this case put a baggie over the camera before the video could even be created. And I think that's where we are. Whether or not that video gets created in some other context, we shall see.
2: Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way
0: So, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
1: Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. All right, let's see. I think I saw one more I wanted to ask. Oh, or answer, excuse me. S. Herbert, greetings from Houghton Regis, UK. Can you see the London games happening this season with the dual COVID rules set by the NFL? Uh, I, I know that some of the fans in the UK are concerned because the last I heard, the tickets weren't on sale yet for the games. Now, I checked with the NFL. The NFL said everything's on track, and they're planning to play two games in London this year. But by now, the understanding I get from the folks that that communicate with us who watch PFT Live in the UK, the understanding I get is that that the tickets haven't been put on sale yet and that there's some reason to be concerned. So uh, I, I don't know. The NFL's position as of a couple of weeks ago is everything is fine and everything is moving forward, so we'll see how that plays out. Last one, the Vikings Gazette. How would you define success for the Minnesota Vikings in 2021? Well, you know, every team would say we define success by whether or not we win the Super Bowl, but that's not true. They define success by how much money they make, and they make the most money, as I said yesterday, by acting like they have every intent to do everything they can to win the Super Bowl. This year, though, to keep people employed, to avoid the kind of, of potential changes that the Wolf family may make, they have to get to the playoffs. I don't know that they have to win a game or two it probably would be very helpful to at least get to the divisional round. But I think playoffs, if they don't get to the playoffs this year, I I think major changes will be happening in Minnesota because if they fail to get there after the money they've spent in free agency, the the resources they've put into the offense, the decision to let Clint Kubiak take over for Gary Kubiak and keep the same system – When you look at the talent that they've amassed, if this isn't good enough to get one of the seven playoff spots in a conference that isn't nearly as competitive as the AFC, if they can't get to the playoffs this year, something isn't working and something needs to be blown up, sir. So uh, success, well, again, it's always a Super Bowl win. Ultimate success, Super Bowl win. A season they could feel good about. At least the final eight, if not the final four. But, you know, the Vikings have been to the final four, I think, seven times since the last time they made the Super Bowl. And for all their struggles in the Super Bowl, 0-4, they have yet to win an NFC championship game in the various times they've been back since the last time they went to the Super Bowl. So I don't know that this is the year, but when you look at the NFC... Other than the Buccaneers, there really isn't a team that stands out as a powerhouse. So maybe this is the year the Vikings get back to the Super Bowl and lose their fifth one. That, that year is coming. In my lifetime, they will get back and lose their fifth one. Because I guarantee you when they get back, especially if they get back this year, they will lose their fifth one. So what's better, Vikings fans? To have a chance to go 1-4 or to know you're going to end up 0-5? Oh Who knows? Is that success? I don't know. But that's all I have to say about that, and that's all I have to say today. We'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks for some of your time. Check us out around the clock at profootballtalk.com. And as always, we appreciate your input, we appreciate your participation, and we will talk to you again very soon.